Hello everybody, welcome to Frame by Frame. This is episode four. Sitting next to me is... Andy. <laughs> you were thinking I was going to do it. I thought you were going to say okay. my name. Sitting next to me is... Andy. And sitting next to me is... Stephen. See, that was a bit better. <laughs> yeah, it's like the worst double act ever. The worst double act ever. Not exactly the two Ronnies, are we? <laughs> Yeah. Well, um, today is in, in America they wouldn't know who the two Ronnies are, so that would be fuck them. Um, well, then they can use <laughs> look it up Google, Google on YouTube. Ronnies. Two Ronnies, very fantastic stuff, really. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like Anton well, Deck. She was starting to come. Yeah, but good <laughs> and smaller foreheads. <laughs> you talking to me? Did you have a brain tumor for breakfast? Who the hell are you talking? You talking to me? I'm funny how. I'm Peter Vinkman. We all go a little mad sometimes. I think I'm entitled. You want answers. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Actually, it's going to be a little bittersweet because we're going to be talking about I think because you terrible said, films today. Because yeah. last week you said, I, I think we're going to need to um, review something we hate. Yeah. Because so far you've just enjoyed everything that you've if, well, about. Yeah, well, we've basically talked about things that we, we really enjoy and then yeah. it's... Just to balance the equilibrium, I thought we'll talk about Birdemic. Oh, Birdemic and... The Room. Uh, could there be a worse double bill for a viewing? I do I do have a confession, though. Um, the other day I watched Guardians of the Galaxy. You did? Yes. Oh. I thought I'd surprise you. Fantastic. Well, yeah, let's talk about that then. Forget about that. <laughs> Birdemic in the room. Let's talk about Guardians. Can we? Yes, we can, we can do anything we want. Let's oh, do it. Well, did you like it? Uh, well, I'm not going to tell you just yet. I think we should just have the trailer run through right now. Okay. Here's the trailer to Guardians of the Galaxy. Both. 
inside you. I will destroy you and your world. First, you gotta go through us. We're the frickin' guardians of the galaxy. I'm with them. have a plan. You've got a plan. I have part of a plan. What percentage of a plan? I don't know. 12%. 12%? <laughs> That's a fake laugh. It's real. Totally fake. That is the most real, authentic, hysterical laugh of my entire life because that is not a plan. I am Groot. So what? It's better than 11%. What the hell does that have to do with anything? Thank you. Groot's the only one of you who has a clue. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> Come to cinemas in 3D. So, did you enjoy it? You know well, what I think of it? I've got to say that I thought it was absolutely brilliant. Oh, fantastic. I, I was... Um, at start, I was very suspicious. Very kind of like, oh, right, yeah, here we go. Yeah. Because you don't know the characters and you kind of have that separation to begin with. You're like, oh, okay, I know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, yeah. but then all, all of a sudden they started to come up with these amazing lines. I kind of forgot that, you know, that uh, that um, suspicious, critical side of you that when yeah. watching science fiction you just start pulling everything apart? Absolutely, yeah. Well, that's the beauty of this film. It's so well written. It you don't... makes you let go. yeah. You just become invested yes. in the story, the characters, everything about it. And you realise that finally, this is actually science fiction uh, as entertainment for the sake of entertainment. It is there to entertain yeah. and take you on a ride. And it was a lot of fun. Oh, absolutely. But don't you think that's a very brave way to start the film? With dying... Dying mum. Dying mum. But it, it set up a perfect thread arc what thread through yeah with the music and that oh yeah of course yeah, yeah and it introduced him as the character who was never going to let go because he has the music mm. so that's deep yeah and yeah. yet it's still fun and accessible oh yeah but I so, because I'd like to have been in a room with the you know all the heads of Marvel mm -hmm. when James Gunn gives them the script because it was it was written by someone else, forget the name now, but he completely, you know, he rewrote it. He took aspects of the original script and rewrote it. Yes. But then reading that and said, where I've got this massive space opera, but it starts with his mum dying in hospital. And it's, it's really tough. Of cancer. Of cancer, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And when right. she, she reaches out, you know, Peter, take my hand, and he's too scared to, and he's sort of like, yeah, 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 and that's a really, really dark, ups, you know, touching, upsetting moment. Mm. And that's the kind of odd thing because it starts off so, so set in reality that the moment that he's suddenly taken away in in, well, in yeah. a magical world that is because it stays dark up until he switches his Walkman on because you've got that scene. And then the actual abduction of him when he runs out into that in into the field, and also the, the way the spaceship that sort of like turns on him, it's quite 
it's kind shadow. of like yeah it's shadow yeah. and it's quite eerie and it obviously gets subducted and next thing you know it's 20 years later and he's on Morag I think is the planet who's she oh you mean the planet yeah okay and even walking through there and you know that's quite dark and you yeah, know it's yeah. just like a, a, sinister yeah sinister yeah. and then next thing you know he puts the music on and, and then he just starts yeah. dancing and that's oh. it and then because up until then I was thinking this is not the film I thought this was going to be because I got excited by the trailer I'm thinking what's going on here yeah, yeah. and then the moment it, the music kicks in he starts dancing I was like ah here we are it's, it's like a switch yeah it just switches on it's like lighting up a room after going through all these dark corridors to a surprise party mm. you know and all of a sudden surprise <laughs> it's like, it is what you thought it was yeah exactly yeah, yeah. That, that element of doubt before you go to a surprise party and you think, oh, they've all forgotten, haven't they? It's all dark, horrible, yeah. yeah. Ah, yeah. surprise! Yeah, they forgot my birthday, <laughs> the bastard. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> At first, I was a little bit reluctant to kind of embrace the world mm. because I thought, ah, oh, it's, it's gone a little bit too far, too early. I kind of thought, usually a character is introduced bit by bit and then, but it was like, boom, he's there. Yeah, but don't, you, no, no explanation. He's not like a new character in a new world. He's literally twenty years later, hmm. and he is where he is. But they, I suppose they have to do that because he has so many ca- main characters to introduce very quickly, exactly, and then move the story along. Yeah, otherwise, it, it starts looking like a George Lucas prequel. Yeah, and no, nobody needed that. No, 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 no. <laughs> but again, I think the way everything's introduced is. It's, it's very well done. It's very clever. Mm. Everybody know. hates each other in the beginning. Yeah, yeah. That's always good. Well, it, they're always trying to get one over on each other all the time. Yeah. You know, when the, the reason Rocket and Groot find Quill is because he's Rocket, got a bounty on his head. Rocket is the raccoon. Raccoon, raccoon. that's right. And Groot is the plant. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Essentially, Quill is um, he's a what's called a ravager. And um, Yondu is basically his, kind of his boss. He's been, so I reckon he's been sort of a father figure to him. He's the one who abducted him from her Earth. Yeah. And, you know, he's been stealing with them. It's like the bad uncle. Yeah, he yeah. teaches absolutely. him the way, but then he's rejected. Yeah, so um, he, Quill is sort of... They've gone after this orb, which is the reason why he goes to Morag in the first place. Which turns out inside the orb is an Infinity Stone. Which is going to go into the big Marvel Universe. But um, yeah, so the reason Rocket finds Quill is because he's put a forty thousand units price on his head. Mm-hmm. So they think, well, we'll get Quill. It's great. It's just it's great. Great. Yeah. I love it. It's smooth. It's it is. Smooth. It's smooth. And, um, and then they all go into jail. Because at that point, yeah. you've got Gamora who's after Quill, who's been sent by Ronan the Accuser. Ronan the Accuser. Yeah. He's very unhappy because of a peace treaty that was signed with the Kree and the Xandarians for, like, I think thousands of years. They've been warring and killing each other, and now they've signed a, a peace treaty. And he's not happy about it. He's basically a fundamentalist Kree, I guess you'd call it. So he sends the Green Girl to kind of be a... Well, to, to retrieve the orb. Retrieve the orb, but by... Because you know, if he mm-hmm. gets the orb and gives it to... Why am I not remembering these names when I know them all? It's crazy. Shall, shall, I, shall I open the vacuum cleaner? Sa- Thanos. Thanos. He, yes, he has to give... If he gives the orb to Thanos, Thanos will destroy Xandaria. Yes. So there's our story. That's it. It's yeah. all there. Yeah. 
I don't remember anybody's names in any film. I mean, no disrespect to Guardians of the Galaxy. I do it with every film. Unless I've seen it about five times, then I'm not going to know people's names. Right. I mean, you know, when I watch Shop Girl, it's still Steve Martin and Claire Danes in those characters. I don't know why I use that film. Or, yeah. or Iron Man, I don't think... I, I, yeah, Tony Stark is an easy one. You know. Yeah. He's Tony Stark. But the girl he was with... It's Gwyneth Paltrow. It's Gwyneth. Pepper Potts. What's her name? Pepper Potts. Her name is Pepper Potts. Yeah, that's, in it. that's the character's name. That's just a stupid name. <laughs> Blame Stanley. <laughs> oh, Stan. Yeah. So... Okay, yeah, and what was I saying? <laughs> you can't remember people's names. The purple guy, the big, the, the killer. Ronan. No, 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 no. Oh, Drax. Is it Drax? Yeah, yeah, you mean the, the wrestler, Dave Batista. The wrestler, there we go, yeah, yeah. He is a fantastic character. So surprising. Well, when I saw that scene where he's got her against, with a knife, and yeah. he starts taking the mickey out of him, trying to kind of change the situation... You never expect them to be. But I love that thing. So, you know, you keep her alive when Ronan comes, and then he, you know, he does that. He puts his finger over his neck, you know, to obviously symbolise you kill him. But Jax is like, why would I put my finger over his throat? (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? He's like, no, no, it's it's a symbol. Yeah, you you get this. And they play on it. Then they all of a sudden they're having a conversation about. Uh, the, the symbol of throat cutting and and it's it is hilarious yeah this is this is a symbol for you cutting his throat I would not cut his throat I would chop his head clean off it's like well you get and I love the other guy no one ever talks about him but you know the, the other I don't know what his name is but he's sort of like you get this right don't you and he's like yeah 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 and then Drax looks at him oh no 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 no, no. you know he's a great little character <laughs> and I love that line when he's like um, I'm, I like your knife I'm keeping it and he's like mm, that was my favourite knife <laughs> Love it. Just little things, yeah. The dialogue in this is is filled with real moments between characters. There. Yeah. Um, it, it, normally in sci-fi films, they just kind of talk about the business. You know, trade federations. Um, <laughs> they just kind of talk about each other and falling in love and those kind of feelings and, and all those wonderful memories we had years ago when we did this. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah. But no, this one, it really keeps things... Um, you know, it, it keeps all the bits of dialogue that that normally gets snipped out. The small talk, mm. the, um, the 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 segues, uh, the little distractions—they're all in there. And my yeah. favorite of those is that you know about taking things literally is when they start talking about Footloose and Kevin Bacon. Yeah, I love that piece, that exchange between the two when she when he says about you know he's he li- Kevin Bacon lives in a town full of people who have sticks up their ass. Yeah, and she goes, "Why would they have sticks up their ass?" Yeah, well, that's really, really cruel. It's really cruel, yeah. Really cruel. Interesting with that scene. So well, while they were filming it, James Gunn could not get it right. He hated it. He could, on that day of shooting it, he rewrote, rewrote the whole thing, and I think that's where all the Kevin Bacon stuff came from. I think it's great. I mean, must have you know, the Footloose must have been an influence somewhere in there. You know, there must have been. I know he's he's good friends with Kevin Bacon. Oh, that um, helps. Kevin Bacon was the bad guy in his last film, which is called Super. Right. So I know yeah. they, they have a friendship. Maybe that's where it's come from. Yeah, I think I think that that would help. And mm. having that, but having the reference in there is perfect, especially when she reliterates it later on. She says, "Just like Kevin Bacon." Yeah, and when, I'm when like, they just kill her off. What I love about that scene, yeah, where they're smashing through that and killing loads of people, and you've got Drax laughing his head off behind them. Yeah, because he just loves the thrill of it. The all. thrill of destroying, you know, it, it happens <laughs> when he's beating people up. He's just laughing his head yeah. off. He loves it. 
And then she's like, yeah, we're just like Kevin Bacon. Yeah, and I love that. It's like, but we've never seen this kind of exchange before. I mean, I, I, the, the, we've, we've had kind of these oddball collaborations in, in comic books. DC yeah. and Marvel both do it. Um, you know, they, we've had the, the f- Fantastic Four. Mm. Personalities of, you know, to be honest. The odd, yeah. No, the, the, none of them have... The workable superhero films I guess but just nothing... doing their thing they're just doing what the, the plot tells them to do and that's it but mm. these ones they're kind of they're kind of jumping out of the story and having their own little character moments which mm. is you know which makes you connect with them so much more yeah the Avengers I mean again they're not no, 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 no. The old agenda. The, the old Avengers, I'm talking. Agendas. <laughs> agendas. Have you got superhero? The agendas. Yes. I'm a boy. Let, I'm a let, girl. Let me and write that down. <laughs> oh, no, you went for genders. Yeah, that's what I, I went for. Agendas. All oh, right, I agendas. Mean, let, let me plan that. <laughs> let me put that in my file effects. <laughs> That'd be great. It's a big, huge superhero. We just... Just, just plan stuff. Plan stuff and then the, the film ends. Let's go put this on the whiteboard. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I just bought a new whiteboard. It's magnetic. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> can't wait to do an agenda. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Final facts, man. He's out of date. He's well jealous. Yeah. But I know one of my favourite scenes in this scene... <laughs> yeah. One of my favourite scenes in this scene is, you know, um, before they actually go for the big battle and they're all stood in a circle. Well, yes. sat in a circle at first. And talking about trying to come up with a plan. Yes. You know, he's yeah. like, you know, I've got 12% of a plan. <laughs> you know, all that kind of stuff. When he first wrote the treatment of the script and give it uh, give it to Kevin Feige, Joss Whedon, and other producers were there. Joss Whedon read it, loved it, and he said, there's not enough James Gunn in here. He's like, what do you mean? He goes, it's just, it's not enough. We want more James. signature. We want more James Gunn. And that's where that scene came from. Yeah. He went home and immediately, in fact, he never, he actually nearly didn't make the film. When um, he went to, you know, talk to him about it. He spoke when he thinking, no one's ever heard of Guardians of the Galaxy. Why would I want to do this? And he was driving home and it just clicked in his head. Oh, actually, you know, he had a few ideas and he thought, I have to make this film. Yeah. yeah. Thank God he did. Because I don't think any other director would have, Done what he's done. No it's, way. It's, he's done it so well, and I'm actually taken aback because when I, like I said, when I was, I was reluctant to watch it because I just thought it was going to be the same old, same old. Mm. I thought it was going to flow just like any other, um, you know, comic book adventure, um, and I was just surprised. And I think it was the dialogue, it was the exchange, it was the pacing, the music, um, the ele- all these elements that. You know, it made it okay, and it harked back to Fifth Element when Luc Besson tried to do something different with science fiction by subverting it and making it a little bit more um, caricature, mm-hmm. but still with some amusing moments in it with Mila Jovovich. Jovovich, but um, that it still never got out of that that place of just being characters. Going through the motions and following a plot. Yeah, there was there's still no things jumping out other than multi or multi bass. Yeah. You know, little little things, but they're only very little. This one kind of has so much going through, and I can understand why you went to see it in the cinema three times. Yeah, because there was so much going on. Well, now I've got, I've got so the Blu-ray much. on Monday. Yeah, um, which is probably a good reason we're not doing Birdemic and actually doing Guardians this week because it's still fresh. It's just come out, you know. Hmm. And you still see you see stuff. Not even now, on what sixth time seeing it? Yeah, yeah. 
when um, they're on the Milano, I think it's um, Quill's ship, it's called, and uh, they're just, just they're on the way to the collectors and they're just talking, and Groot's just in the background doing. He's just like playing with things on the wall like a child would, and I never noticed that before. Yeah, I was like, he's just the level of detail and the animation is incredible. You never once question that it's a CGI raccoon. It it's just because, yeah. and I think um, obviously the character is fantastic, and you know it's worked very well acted. Mm. I know um, James Gunn's brother actually played the raccoon on um, set as a point of reference for the actors. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, but. He did the Andy Andy Circus bit. Yeah, well, no, it's not motion captured. No, no, no. It was just it was just he, he there was just there as a point the, of reference. Yeah, yeah. The, um, the only thing that was motion captured is Thanos. He was motion captured. Got yeah, yeah. And then you've got um, then we're talking about the actors, and there's there's certain controversial moments uh, in the in other reviews that I've noticed that a lot of people are digging at Vin Diesel. Just because you know he's a big name, he's a massive personality, and they're all saying that he, you know, he probably got paid millions just to say three words, four words, five words, five words, <laughs> yeah, because he says the word four as well, doesn't he? And it's like you know why, why, why did he get paid? You know, and, I, and to be honest, if Vin Diesel is approached, Vin Diesel is asked, "Can you voice this character?" You, you know, you only have five words to say, yeah. and if Vin Diesel says yes. That's their deal. That's their deal. That's what they wanted. They went to him and they did it. No matter, it doesn't matter how much he got. He got paid. It's what happened. I've never Get thought. Over it. Yeah, I've it's, never thought yeah. much of Vin Diesel as any kind of actor, but he's brilliant as Groot. But he's fantastic. I, I can't. Did he, did he actually? Was he actually on the set as Groot? No, 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 no. He just came in and did the voice acting. Just the voice acting, but. But what when people was, say that it's it, people are saying that it is overrated that anybody could have done it. No, I don't think I, I disagree because um, they had James Gunn tried doing it, his brother tried doing it. They had the actor who was playing Groot on as a point of reference. They yeah. had him try and do it. No one did it. It was when Vin Diesel came in and tried out for it. He, they, he just yeah. that was it. There was something about the way he did it every time. Yeah. Every, it, every single I am Groot is different. It is, but when he's saying I am Groot. James Gunn wrote what he's actually saying. So when Vin Diesel's... I know, it's bloody lead. Yeah, yeah. leads is scraping, but it's okay. So when, you know, Vin Diesel's saying, I am Groot, he actually knows what he should be saying, if you know what I mean. Yes. What he's yeah. doing. Which is helpful as a reference. But then, yeah, it, I think that's the problem with with all these people is that they're fixated on, on an element that of him being paid to say five words and that what's is what they're facing yeah, what's and, that, and I think what's it got to do with them it's it, exactly I, th- I think you know Vin Diesel was, was asked he has absolute right to say yes and no you know James Gunn has absolutely right to ask anybody he wants to do it yeah. I'm glad he didn't ask Morgan Freeman <laughs> because Groot would have a lot more to say <laughs> Groot will be saying yes but the Infinity Stone is actually made of this and that, and we we must be careful not to do uh, this and that. Well, now you've mentioned Margaret Freeman exposition in the film. Oh, well, yeah, the exposition is is still there. It's still there, but what I like about it, the biggest part of exposition for me, and when I first watched it, I was kind of like, oh, here we go, and the treatment is like we're stupid. When the collector's explaining about the Infinity Stone, yeah, 
and um, the big celestial beings that could, you know, and how it can destroy planets and stuff. You see the Flash and all. Yeah, yeah. and you're thinking, right, all right, we're getting backstory. And I didn't really need Lord of the Rings kind of feeling yeah. about it. You but know? then you've got Rocket, who's mm-hmm. sort of like bored, senseless. He's got his hands in his hands. He's like, all right, Whitey, I don't care. Just pay me my money. And I'm like, great, brilliant. You've given us the exposition. But you've also told us that you that one of the characters doesn't need the exposition. He just wants the frigging money. Yeah. That's a great way of you know of giving what producers hmm. and studios want, but also taking away at the same time. And, and to be honest, exposition is always needed, and it's not always easy to disguise it. Hmm. Um, Terminator is an example of that, where they they had the car chase with Kyle Reese and Sarah um, Sarah Connor, hmm. and the exposition of him explaining um, what happens in her future. And everything, the reason why he's there and the, the time travel thing and the, the rise of machines, it's all done during a car chase. Yeah. It's done as, as because he's desperately trying to tell her to convince her. There's a purpose behind the exposition. Yeah, yeah. It's there to convince her, but it's also there to inform us. What a lot of films tend to do with exposition is they, all, they tend to bring in the audience point of view character. The audience point of view character is that 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 fish out of water who is put in a place and has to have everything explained to them. Mm. It's the Will Smith of Men in Black. Yeah. I said, I haven't been in this world before. Could you explain it to me? Yeah. Because I'm standing here with the audience behind me and they want to know as well. But with with this, you know, you don't get that chance because you've got twenty twenty year ellipse between him being abducted and him being in there. Mm. Well, Nothing is explained as to what that universe is and where it is. Well, it doesn't I, need to be explained. I think that the reason I was a bit funny with that is that I suppose that exposition needs to be there because of the building a, a bigger universe of films that are yet to come. Yeah. So we, I guess we need to know what the Infinity Stones are for and what they're used for. What they're capable of. And why Thanos is trying to get hold of them. Yeah. So I, I just felt a bit, oh, you know, I did up until Rocket just complaining it just I don't care about all this I just want to get paid yeah. would know. it would it have worked if it was simply a, a, a glowing crystal inside a box would would people have have feared it or felt as though it was important if it was just like a pulp fiction MacGuffin if they just opened it and their faces glowed up and they, there was no exposition about what the crystal did what the, what the the orb did you know would it, it have, I, th- I think it would have worked but it wouldn't have set up the universe that they happened to set up for, so, for future films. So therefore, it was completely necessary. Yeah, yeah. Like I say, I was just when I, that was the only yeah. that's the only thing I could take. I'm trying yeah. to be really picky. Really, yeah, me? it's good. It's good because we know we. we I, I think we were always afraid of exposition being something that that oh gosh, but you know, films have to have it. Stories have to have it. Yeah, it just doesn't always have to be Morgan Freeman. <laughs> no, it doesn't have to be delivered in that way. <laughs> Um, but it, it, it's good because it does. It didn't feel as though it was exposition for exposition's sake, and that's what it is. They weren't wearing a t-shirt saying, "Here's the exposition bit." Yeah. Are you ready, kids? I tell you, there's an interesting thing with the making of this film that all the music was composed before they filmed it. The score. The score. Yeah, when obviously all this, the soundtrack is incredibly important. You yeah, know, the songs and that. But the score is just emotionally there as a, exactly. I thought it was interesting because usually, obviously, they'll make a film, to. edit it all together, and then send it to some composer yeah. and do something brilliant with it. 
But what you wanted is obviously the the guy who composed it would have read the scripts and has you know has made understand the, the nuances yeah, of the scenes. Yeah. So like the part where Quill essentially sacrifices himself for Gamora and he goes out to space and puts the mask on her. Yeah. In the hope yeah. that you know he gets picked up by. It's pretty intense though. Yeah. Well, the music in the background was playing while they were doing that scene. Mm to sort of use the music to enhance their performance which I think is a really good way of making a film it's doing it in the opposite way around yeah, yeah. I think that's a really clever idea because it, you could say that um, the acting informs the music mm. which is true but then music can also inform the acting because yeah. a lot of the times when they are doing these scenes they have an alternate soundtrack alternative soundtrack they probably have Crimson Tide or something completely from a different you yeah know. they use other music to kind of bring out the emotion on set yeah well I know Cameron Crowe he always has a copy of Pet Sounds by the Beach Boys anytime he's making a film because um, he, he'll put a certain track and go this is how you're feeling this is what you're going through yeah you know yeah. what I mean and that's common that's common practice yeah. in a lot of films to have alternate yeah but to actually have the actual score already written and ready yeah yeah so they can yeah great only if it's ever a, a remake or something that is already established will that actually happen in the universe that it mm. exists. Like Star Trek, for example. They, yeah. they will always have the same kind of music. Um, so that's, yeah. And then, of course, yeah, yeah. Where, where was I going? With John Williams and E.T., I mean, they couldn't... They did that. I mean, it, you've, you've seen that scene at the very end where E.T. is taken up. Yeah. and they, they, they showed you what it would be like without music and how it's just a lot of people just standing around looking looking yeah. sad yeah. John Williams' music really makes it get you and that's the same with that so having that on the set it takes it hold to a whole new level yeah I sort of I wasn't that impressed with the theme you know the music it's not, it's not that memorable no the I, music I, when is, I hear it it sounds like the theme to the Avengers Assemble film to me mm -hmm. they all sound alike to me I yeah don't... I'm not sure if it's the same composer it might be I'll yeah. probably check that but um, so that, the actual music the actual theme to Guardians I wasn't overly mm. fond of it's yeah. just workable you know it's fine it's alright for that but you know it's on the score and it's there to, there to, to serve the story not to kind of make it make it as memorable which is a shame because I like to be able to listen to music and feel as though I, I know it because of the film mm. but at the same time it doesn't bother me if, if if the film has done what it needs to do the music doesn't have to be yeah, independent to I it I suppose maybe you don't want to get off my glasses pussy that's right <laughs> yeah so, yeah, it doesn't but, have to. But because the actual soundtrack, the actual cassette that Quill's got is more important. That makes Those sense. Those songs, because that's his callback to his mum, that's his callback to going home. It's a character in itself, that it music. It is. Yeah. And that was, you know, that went to number one in iTunes, the actual tracks, you know. It's funny how that is, how a mixtape of, of already existing music that's already out there can actually suddenly be purchasable, purchasable again because it's a song, an ensemble. Yeah. I, I can't fault anything else in the movie because it is true to the to the um, to the world and the environment that it's mm. trying to portray. A lot of people are quite sniffy about Ronan, the accuser, of being just a generic, a generic bad guy. I think he's fine. I think it works perfectly well. I don't really. It's funny they say that because I actually do not. I didn't even care about the conflict between him and them. Um, you know, it was supposed to be something that you care about, but 
to me, I, I was just more concerned about how they were going to get along. Well, that's, the film so, is about them coming together. Yeah. And, you know, becoming a, a family. So it, I didn't even, I don't even, I don't even remember what he looks like, the bad guy. I know Michael Rooker, he's the, you know. Michael I, Rooker's brilliant in it. He's I, so good. Have you ever seen Michael Rooker in anything when he's not been brilliant? Um, he just seems to be an actor who can just bring it every time. Yeah. Even he, if he's in something that's not brilliant, he's just great in it. Even Cliffhanger. You remember mm. that one? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was quite surprised um, about the opening scene of that 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 film and um it, it, you you've seen it right cliffhanger yeah of course yeah i mean the, the first scene is is probably the most profound uh, it's one of those scenes that stays with you like the bagging in the face of pan's labyrinth these moments that you yeah, have yeah. that stay with you or, you know fredo hugging michael collion in the godfather 2 um funny enough cliffhanger is it, the, the opening scene stays the, with me yeah like um the part in Spice World, the movie, when Roger Moore talks about drums. Mm, yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Was he in that movie? Yeah, because he used to say these little strange... I can't believe I've seen this film, but... Is that your link to... No, to... no, 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 not at all. <laughs> I don't know why I just thought of it, but he, you know, he just said these weird things like, the drummer with no legs has no backbeat. And then he'd hang up on them and I'm like, what? I just like Roger Moore. That's anyway. actually, yeah, well, that's, that's actually quite good. That's, yeah, probably, that's yeah. probably the, the only... It gets wasted because it's uh, it's in a Spice World movie, but yeah. uh, Spice Girls. But yeah, back to Cliffhanger. Yes, quickly. Spice Girls, really? Spice Girls? He goes to Spice Girls with this. I mean, why? I mean, why do I put it with this? Why? Okay, Cliffhanger. <laughs> you know, Woody Allen then. <laughs> well, you know what? Yeah, why did you, you go back to it? Why did you go back to things? You have to keep on bringing it up, you know. It's right, fine. Um, yeah, yeah. The the, the scene is that uh, they're they're trying to cross a, a ravine and they're on a uh, you know, on a rope or something. Uh, and they're yeah, trying yeah. to get onto the helicopter because they're in trouble, and uh, and and she literally is just hanging on. Yeah, he's holding her hand. hand. He's holding her hand, hand, and the glove is slipping off, and yeah. and the, the look of fear in her face is incredible. The it, it scared the hell out of me that because it's just the whole idea of someone just being dropped, mm. and then knowing that they they're just gonna that's such a long way down before they actually hit anything, and that that is there's no way out. There's no yeah. there's no. You know, but Michael Rooker in that scene, at the very end when she drops, he looks over at Sylvester Stallone with those dagger eyes, yeah. that, that look of you know everything, every every single thing that you can think of is going through his mind, and that that is that is good acting. I mean, he's, that's just Michael Rooker. Yeah, doing. I just I do believe he's an actor who just brings it every time. You know what I mean? Interesting. Do you remember Ace Ventura parodying that? I think it's Ace Ventura really? When Nature Calls it's the second one and it's brilliant but funnily enough I'm, I, I can't be sure Was Michael sure Rooker in that? No, no, no oh, okay. I can't be sure of it but he parodies it by he's holding a raccoon I'm sure it's a raccoon A raccoon? It's the same thing and he, he ends he can't hold it, he can't hold onto the raccoon's hand and the raccoon just falls into the ravine and obviously dies and Ace Ventura ends up going to a monastery to find spiritual enlightenment <laughs> but I'm sure it's a raccoon and that's a nice oh little link God. to yeah. dying yeah wow that's, yeah. Like, that's like six degrees of yeah, Kevin Bacon who is also mentioned in Guardians of the Galaxy this is just pure this is just symbiotic it's just meant to be, it? yeah, it's yeah, yeah, fantastic yeah. wow it's all connecting the dots as if it was meant to be so yeah Guardians of the Galaxy is is one of those things that, that will keep on hopefully keep on getting better right absolutely yeah yeah well he's uh, James Wan's doing a sequel he wasn't 
he said he could not let go of Rocket and Groot. Yeah, which is good. All those characters, and I think he already had an idea for the second film as he was making the first one. That it's very rare that a, di- a director, when he leaves a project, does it actually get better. Mm. Oh, there is an exception, of course, Star Wars. Yeah, when Irving Kirshner and um, the other guy Mark Wand, mm. um, they did the uh, the other two Star Wars films, and they were just as good, you know. Yeah, if well, not better. M- I, Empire is better than Star Wars for me. I prefer yeah. it's a better film. Um, but I kind of get the feeling that James Gunn would not have gone through this movie without the support of everybody who was there to to kind of guide him along and to say yeah. we need a bit more of you in this. And I think the problem with the prequels is is people were trying to say to Lucas, we want a little bit less of you in this. Yeah. Um, we want to see the Star Wars of the world. We don't want it to be. I think that's the thing because I'd say Guardians is James Gunn's vision. What he had in his head, he has put on yeah. the screen, and it's fantastic. But it it's hasn't, funny. It's touching. He didn't go too far. But George Lucas got exactly on the, everything they had in his head on the screen. Yeah. But one's shit and one's brilliant. Yes. You know what I mean? It's as simple as that. Yeah, and it, and, it, and it's just it's just an odd thing that two two different directors with two different budgets and and, and abilities and expectations. I, th- I think maybe the expectation was also there with Star Wars that you know that he failed simply because he just couldn't hold the the big weight of of the first three films. Mm. James Gunn is going out on a limb here with a, his first outing with Guardians of the Galaxy, which not everybody knows about. Well, it, as a comic book, it was not... a big gamble when they first announced that they were doing it. Everyone thought it's just going to be Marvel's first flop. You know what I mean? Cause... Because they're picking a subject matter that nobody knows about. Yeah, really. no one's heard of Guardians of the Galaxy. I'd never heard of it. I'd never read a comic of Guardians of the Galaxy. You've got a a, a talking raccoon. A tree that primarily says three words well it's not a tree it's a plant yeah I, I must admit when going into this when you said about the talking raccoon and a, and a tree um, I just kind of thought oh, it's, it sounded so much it, it does like <laughs> um, like fizzy wigging in Labyrinth and um, the trees in Lord of the Rings and I kind of just thought oh I, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna put it off as much as possible but then but it's again it's a testament to James Gunn to how much you care about a talking raccoon yeah I, I and yeah. the like by, by this like the characters he's the most tortured character I think the raccoon because he's literally been tortured ripped apart put back together and yeah, made into this yeah. little thing there's not there's nothing else in the galaxy like Rocket yeah. you know what I mean he's the only one of him he's so he, how yeah. alone that character must feel and it's, I think it's um, it's no mistake that the most tortured and damaged character is with the most innocent character, which is Groot. Cause yeah, I think, it's, I think it's Groot is opposites. just pure innocence. Yeah. You know, they actually designed Groot's eyes to be like the eyes of a dog. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Because the dog is just loyal and, you know. Well, yeah, yeah, you look at that and you think, mm, well, mm. poor guy. Yeah, and um, that just the scene where um, Groot's created that big ball of, 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 yeah, of, of plant life plant around them, yeah. you know, the cocoon just, of of yeah, yeah, and then Rock is like, "What are you doing? You know, you're gonna die." And then he says, "You know, we are Groot," and I'm, you know, I was choked up. <laughs> I was like, "Wow, yeah. yeah," I was really choked up because I was invested yeah, in the characters. Exactly, you were there. You were there. 
you're worth it. Yeah, that's, that's great. Yeah, that's great. in Phantom Menace, when is it Qui Gon Jin? Is that his name? Liam? Yes, gets when he gets killed. I was like, oh, fine, fucking no. It's care. like, oh, yeah, yeah. He didn't do much while you were on the freaking screen anyway. So yeah, goodbye. Yeah, you talked too much. You talked about Metacorians, you asshole. Yeah, exactly. But, <laughs> but I mean, yeah. that's a person. But I know. It's I know. Liam, I know, it's Liam Neeson. For I know. Sake. He cracked. But then yeah. a tree's about to die, and I was. It was welling up. I mean, brilliant. Okay, let's go through all the films where we've welled up over something that wasn't human. E.T.? But then there's the human... Well, there's a human connection, but human yeah, connection, and there's yeah. also a plant involved. Which, by the way, or tying this in, I, I actually had my world broken apart. We watched E.T. the other day, special edition. A lot yeah. of scenes I hadn't seen in there, a lot of new stuff. And then, um, you know, they're talking about the uh, the geranium plant yeah. that he brings to life, and and they, it you know Drew Barrymore in the, uh, the read along book she calls it a geranium. They call it geraniums in the film. Catherine sits there and she goes, "That's not a geranium, that's a chrysanthemum." Oh, and I was like, "You're kidding me!" He said, "No, that's a geranium." Is it? Look, everybody said, "Look, look, listen, this is Drew Barrymore right now saying it's a geranium." And it's like, yeah, yeah, but it's, it's a chrysanthemum. Geranium is little, lots of little plants, lots of little tiny flowers bushed up together like that. And a chrysanthemum is just one big, one flower with a black middle on the middle. And that's what you're looking at, Stephen. That is a chrysanthemum. That's a huge mistake. How did it, how, how? Steven Spielberg messed up. Unless they call those geraniums and there's kind of like, but then plants are plants. You know, they stem from the Latin if they cannot get that right. So all this time we've been thinking that they were geraniums, but they're actually chrysanthemums. That's a bit of a segue and has yeah. nothing to do with going into That's the galaxy. That's a little bit of cool movie trivia, I guess, though. Yeah, because I, I looked around everywhere and nobody's talking about that, so I think we might have an exclusive there. Wow. And have you have you proven that it's definitely a gentleman? I, I, I think it's pretty much yeah like for like it's a I'm not saying that your darling wife would be wrong I'm just saying if you seen well I, th- I said you're wrong <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I dared I dared and then I said I said yeah you're right <laughs> which is usually the case you know yeah but yeah. Um, even if know, they're wrong they even have to if be they're right. wrong. no 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 but th- th- this is dead on and I kind of I just had all of a sudden I just saw all this time you know you see the plant in ET you say geraniums geraniums mm. So yeah. Anyway, um, but yeah, the, the idea being is that we did uh, we did have a connection. I, I I think emotional when the plant came back to life yeah. in ET. So there is that connection there. Any other film where we are emotionally invested in a creature, Flight of the Navigator. Was there anything there? It's a little tiny little creature in there. Yeah, but it's not really. Not really. Not really. really. And it's still a human connection. No, I mean, because no, the connection there is between a, ra- yeah, we're a raccoon and a tree. Right. Okay. Okay. Like a plant. So no, I don't think so. Can't think of anything. No. What do you think of the dance off bit at the end? Dance off. That's okay. I loved it. I thought it was great because I wasn't expecting. It. Again, it subverts your expectation. You know what I mean? I was so you didn't know what to expect. He's about to destroy the planet, and then he just starts dancing. I think it was a brilliant idea. The way it is, and he come up with the best put down I've ever heard of me in life. Turd, turd blossom, turd blossom. Yeah, dance off, bitch. Come on, you. T- no, uh, I'm trying to. Well, he, anyway, he calls him a turd blossom, and it's my favourite put down now. We had a, turd blossoms. We had a good uh, talking about um, talk downs. We had one in uh, college that we made up, and um, I'm going to mention him. Russell Cam, Russell Cam came up with this one. Right. You're such a log loser. Log loser. 
Yeah. It's like, you can't even keep your own shit. You know, you're a log loser. It was it was hilarious. Um, so that, that's, that, to me, it's hilarious. Yeah, that's funny. Log loser. They're literally true, because no one can keep hold of their own shit. It's oh. eventually going to come out and... Go forever. Yeah. Yeah, flush. Go, goes into the ocean, which then goes through a huge filter, filtration system, which you eventually start to drink again. Shut up, Morgan. <laughs> Morgan Freeman's here in the room. In the room, it's Morgan Freeman. Uh, so yeah, we I think we've nailed every aspect that I wanted to talk about with Guardians of the Galaxy. I'll be honest, I could there's so much in the film that I could keep on talking about, but I don't want to bore people. But it's it's refreshing. It's yes. it's a space opera. It's funny. It's touching. It's, it reminded me of watching Ray's Lost Ark for the very first time. It gives you that kind of feeling of just going on an adventure and it's rewarding. And you actually left the cinema feeling good. That's a rare yeah. thing these days. I mean, uh, having gone to see Godzilla and Prometheus mm. and, okay, yeah, visually enjoying the festivities of the visuals but just being let down by the dialogue and the characters and the whole situation yeah. that's there. You've come out of this feeling very, very... It's like a good meal you've just digested yeah. and again when we've talked previously about how um, a film can make you invest in the director I've gone back and I've watched all James, James Gunn's stuff, yeah. stuff yeah this PG Palm thing he did on YouTube which is which was really funny I've read his book which is very funny if any of that's true I feel sorry for the poor guy he went through some shit <laughs> and um, yeah just a brilliant guy brilliant writer brilliant director can't wait to see Guardians 2 yeah and I, th I think that that's good to have an investment in, in, I mean directors these days I mean it's it's hard to kind of there's so many out there and uh, mm. yeah, but it sounds like he's kind of got his finger in a few pies as well it doesn't just direct he does other things oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. does he act as well it, it, is there a cameo James Gunn cameo or um, uh, you know uh, when he first gets the orb Mm-hmm. Um, and he has the two guys behind it, and you know. Yes, yes. Well, I think he's one of them. I think he's the one who calls a Ninja Turtle. Oh. Yeah, I think he's funny. one of them. But he he has acted in the past. He's in a film that he wrote but didn't direct. I forget what it's called now, but it's it. It's about like um, I think it's the sixth or seventh best superheroes in in that in that sort of made up world, and they're a bit useless, I think. And it's about. It's about them. I forget oh, what it's called. Did, that sounds Rob Lowe's in it. Oh, hang on. Is it is it a, a fairly recent one? Two. I could I could see an orange man in a suit. Oh, shall I open the vacuum cleaner? Yeah, go on, open the vacuum cleaner. So, oh, oh my god! Uh, oh my god! It's Andy, Andy, Andy! Oh, hang on. It, it's it's really the fan is blowing really hard. Just pop on. Hold on to it. No, no. Uh, I'm gonna have to close it. I'm gonna have to close it. That's okay, that's okay, it's okay. The fans calm down, it's calm down. My god. Wow. I thought I lost you then. You literally were gonna Oh be... my hair's blown off! And you don't have any hair. Oh right. That's okay. Um so like what we we're gonna look something up. We're gonna look something up right now. Internet movie database. What were we looking for? Um just put James Gunn. James Gunn. Oh yeah, that superhero. Oh look, James Gunn. He's he smiling face. Okay, when you write in James, you've got James Spader, my favourite actor. James Franco. Yeah. James McAvery. McAvoy. Mm -hmm. Ma oh, 
McAvoy. <laughs> McAvoy. Hey, look at this. They're, they're, they're kind of all, you know, we've got X-Men, X-Men. Oh, I love that James Gunn is before James Cameron. I love that. Yeah, Fuck James you, Cameron. James Cameron. Okay, so you're looking at, is it that one, movie 43? No, it's definitely not that. God, that's awful. <laughs> Keep going down. Uh, Directing? Oh, no, he didn't direct it, but he wrote it. Ooh. The specials, that's it. The, the specials. specials. And uh, just before Scooby-Doo. Okay. Yeah, just yeah. before Scooby-Doo. Yeah. But in fact, that's the only one I've not seen, but I do have now, so I'm going to watch that. But if you actually look at his... Uh, I'm just, just having a look there. The stuff that he's done. Dawn of the Dead screenplay. Yeah. 2004. I love that movie. Yeah, it's James great. Gunn did that. Yeah. I am impressed, Mr. Gunn. Slither. Tro- Have you ever seen Slither? That's great. Now, we, we said that before, that I thought it was the Sharon Stone film. Yeah, no, not that one. But it's not it's got Slither a, with a T. Because funnily, because Michael Rooker is in every film that James Gunn's directed. Really? Yeah. And he's in that, he's in Super, and obviously he's in Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes. So is Nathan Fillion. Nathan Fillion's in all three. You uh-huh. know um, when they're in the, the kiln, the prison. And, gotcha. that, and that big blue thing is like going to Peter Quill like, oh, look at you, pretty thing, and then Groot sticks his fingers up his nose and lifts him up. That's voiced by Nathan Fillion. Oh, there you go. You know what I mean? I love that, but I like a director. Gail Del Toro is very similar, where... He, he finds actors that he likes and gets along with and, and loves and always uses them because I think that's important to a film that the director gets along with the actors and actually likes them as people well, there's, a, you, there's a trust there's a bond well can you imagine because yeah. probably from start to finish you're talking between a year and a half to two years to get a film writ, wrote, a lot of time. You know, written produced direct, you know, made directed post production blah 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 mm-hmm. imagine doing that with people you don't like that must be awful because it must be a quite solitary thing to be a director of a film yeah and to be yeah. on set with people you can't get along with who are not very nice that must be difficult so. it, uh, I think they probably that's why they weed them out as early as possible if they're going to be a trouble then uh, they, they know it's going to if it's going to affect then they usually get fired mm. they usually get going or or they just deal with it because they're told to deal with it by the studios because well, they yeah, need exactly. uh, as a ca- th- this person as a cash in. So to surround yourselves with people who have got the chops, but also you're your friends that you can trust, and you get along with them. I think you know you can you can work with mm, them. Yeah, I think that's how he's he's made this film so great. But I know? think most of the best films are like that. The best, I mean, if you think about the, your top five films, are the directors usually quite synonymous with the actors? Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, because I'd say so. I mean, yeah. I'm looking. I'm thinking Taxi Driver, Godfather, Deer Hunter. Well, I say Michael Cimino. He's not really, but the the the, the ensemble of the mm. cast are often quite. Actors tend to tend to also like working with each other again if they've had a really good experience. Yeah, but to do something different. Yeah, and it's good. Like if you've got like with De Niro and Scorsese, where De Niro can say, "I really want to make this film." about Jake Lamata you know what yeah. I mean and okay I'm going to go I'm going to help you do that I'm going to really do it okay is yeah, that okay that's great okay but Woody I'll... Allen didn't direct no I was doing I was doing Scorsese I was doing Scorsese because <laughs> <laughs> he talks very really fast and he likes to get things out really quick really quick really quick really quick, really quick okay um, so yeah 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 um, so yeah I'm, I'm, I'm happy with Guardians of the Galaxy it's out on Blu-ray now yes buy it buy it and uh not on 4K Blu-ray though. 
of fans. So come on, James, get it on 4K Blu-ray. Too. 4K Blu-ray. I have no idea. Do you know what? I'm still on, I'm still just on the DVD um, phenomenon. I'm, I'm just discovering DVDs. Well, on, on most of the, most of the HD TVs are like 1080, and uh, the Blu-ray is 1080p. Yeah. But now, like myself, has now got a 4K TV. So instead of being 1080, it's got a thousand resolution. I okay. mean, cinema is dead. No, it's not. It's Guardians of the Galaxies was come out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah it's pretty, no, 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 no. But the, the buildings—I mean, you can watch it at home. It's going to be amazing. Yeah, that, yeah that's true. Yeah. That's true. One, one thing that I do want to touch upon—that's quite interesting—that I, I like the time that it takes for a film to from being in the cinema to actually being available for home release. The time that it takes—it's now about three months. Yeah. Latency period between cinema. I mean, that used to be ten months. Hmm. It used to be uh, 10 months before you could even rent and the system used to be in place where you would see it in the cinema and only until the end of the run does it actually count 10 months before yeah, you can actually rent. Yeah, I think there's there's many reasons for that. I think one of them is piracy. Yes. So did it, if we can get it out on Blu-ray very quickly, they're not going to want to watch this cam version of the film. They're going to want to buy it on Blu-ray and watch it. They're going to be patient. And so a lot of it, they're investing in the technology yeah. now as much as possible. But yeah, as, I think the society now, everything's on demand and yeah. people want things now. Yeah. They don't want to wait for things, you know, and I think, I think that's part of it as well. Yeah, and, and that's why slow films are, you know, any film that takes its time is called a slow film. Yeah. Oh, that what's that noise? That is actually not a sound effect that I have inserted. Is that in the with a drill again? There's a guy with a drill. He's putting up security lights at Tosser. Damn it! Who's he think he is? Yeah. Do you know what? I'm just going to go around his house at night and steal his DVD. No, uh, no Bluetooth player. Bluetooth player. Yeah. Blu-ray mate. Bluetooth player. <laughs> You get his Bluetooth player, come back and go, oh, I've got all these Blu-rays, can't do anything with it. <laughs> so how does this Bluetooth player work? <laughs> Where do I put the disc in? It's shocking. <laughs> it's bad. Actually, to be honest, I have to admit, um, I, my, no, I, actually, no, it wasn't me, it was my brother. My brother actually put toast in a VHS recorder. <laughs> Did he? Yeah. Did it cook it? <laughs> no, he, to, he actually thought he could play it. He put toast. He put his toast in the VCR. Really? Yeah. It wasn't me. I thought it was me, actually. But then I realised, I don't know, it was my brother. Did he watch porn films and think he could stick his penis in the VHS player and have sex with it? The end. <laughs> <laughs> no. There's the line. So I don't know how to end this because we, you know, um, with, with the David Lynch thing, we had something to end with, but... Goodbye, everybody. Oh, goodbye. We're out of here. Look, I'm in my rocket ship. Are you ready? Yeah. You got your you got your throttle. Throttle. Okay. All right. Okay. Go go. Okay. okay. Just, just push it forward a little bit there. Okay. We're gonna fly this ship out of here. You ready? Okay. Okay. Bye. You're so shit. <laughs> Liquid storage bags. You will never get caught short again, thanks to liquid storage bags. Here you get eight, that's right, eight bags in which you can store your very own liquid items. Bags are sold separately, liquid not included. The attractive cardboard box is easy to open. With each wonderfully transparent, durable and easily accessible. Ready, Ready to, to go. go! That's right, when you've got to go, liquid storage bags are there for you. 
Liquid storage bags? That's right! Liquid, Liquid storage bags! They're sleek, sturdy, and stylish. And what's more, you can write all the information you need right there on the bag, where the space is provided. Warning, do not write on liquid storage bags. Liquid storage bags cannot be found in any store, by phone, or online. So you know that liquid storage bags are the product for you. And, and only you. What's it called? Liquid storage bags. Ah, uh, yeah. yeah. Liquid, Liquid storage bag.